I really wanted to understand how the watch uh, was working, but not only by understanding the mechanical uh, uh, theory and uh, all that stuff. I wanted really to, to understand the difference between one watch to another, understanding the value, the difference of the value, of the prices, uh, of the materials also, uh, because uh, sometimes you have two watches very similar, working with the same movement, but at the end it's not the same movement and the price is totally different. So uh, all that tiny uh, details, I, I wanted to understand it. And I found that the only way to know it was to become a watchmaker. I'm Reg Ferguson, and I'm a fashion consultant from New York City, born and raised. I've been helping men look fly for years. And now I want to help you learn more about menswear, the entrepreneurs, the brands, and top fashion tips on the Fashion Geek Podcast. In my neighborhood, we have a watch guy. He works in a shoe repair store. He is a Russian Hasidic Jew. The owner of the store, Mikhail, is his childhood friend from Russia. He's Christian. Go figure. I go there to get my batteries replaced. Take that, Pedro. Take that. Get an occasional watch band, or in dire situations, get my mechanical watches fixed. I have a simple collection of contemporary and vintage. And every once in a while, he helps me out. He has a connect with Seiko, gets the parts wholesale. He guarantees his work for a year. His fingers are long and nimble. He doesn't wear glasses, but he always wears a loop. One day, he showed me some Rolexes and bright ones he was working on. Customers trust him with those? Some of the models could pay the rent on that place. I could pay for lunch. Okay, maybe. Maybe. What kind of skill does it take to look into a tiny watch, determine the problem, and make it just like me? Yo, this is Reg Ferguson, fashion geek number one. How are you? Welcome to the ride. Thank you so much for listening. I am a men's fashion consultant here in New York City, and I help fashion challenge men go from confused to confident. If you ever found yourself staring at the closet, not knowing what to wear, or the idea of shopping for clothes makes you feel physically ill, then this is the show for you. My goal with every episode is to help make looking good feel easy. If you ever want my help, email me at reg at nyfashiongeek.com for a consultation. If you have a friend who's looking to level up his fashion style wardrobe game, please share an episode with them. While you're at it, if you dig the show and haven't already left us a rating and review, please consider doing so now. Your shares, ratings, and reviews help us grow the show and help us get the best possible guest and help more men dress their best. Today, we are going to talk with Romain Vesafon of Michaud, who is in Switzerland. Never done this before. This is international. Like, I've done international, but never done Switzerland. And we're going to talk about something that the everyday man should not take for granted. We're going to talk about watch repair and watches, too. Romain in the building via Switzerland. How are you, man? I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to to speak with you tonight. Tonight hey. for me. <laughs> yeah, tonight for you, the afternoon for me. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we... We talk to each other. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Romain, I was, I was kind of chasing you, buddy. I was, <laughs> I was feeling very sensitive. So, like, hey, if you don't want to do this, you're like, no, it's a wonderful idea. Okay, so let's do it. It's a wonderful idea. Okay, so let's do it. <laughs> you know, you're doing it. So, yeah. uh, and yes, I know it's a six-hour difference. So this is really, this is really cool for me. You're in the mm -hmm. future. 
Yes, so I can tell you uh, the, the the final score of the the football match. <laughs> right, Euro, right? <laughs> exactly. So before we go into our topic, mm-hmm. please tell us. So what do you do? So what do you so what do you do? So yeah, I, I'm a watchmaker uh, for a little bit more than four years now. Uh, I'm a former banker, and I decided to change totally my uh, professional path from banking to watchmaking by passion for watches. And uh, yeah, after uh, following um, two years of uh, watchmaking school, um, yeah. I uh, became a watchmaker. So uh, now I'm living in Switzerland for uh, the same uh, uh, duration. So uh, for about four years, a little bit more, and I'm enjoying uh, my new my new job. And uh, yes, I, I mainly uh, repair watches on uh, high-end uh, brands uh, like uh, Rolex, Cartier, IWC. Uh, yes, that kind of... Uh, of brand. I just like the fact that I can call you the Rolex repair man. <laughs> yes, uh, you, you can. Uh, it's, uh, I think, uh, Rolex, Rolex watches are the major, uh, part of my activity, uh, uh, currently, uh, also because, uh, I'm working for, uh, a boutique, so a retailer and, um, and we are dealing with Rolex. So old Rolex or, uh, you know, uh, contemporary uh, watches. I am uh, taking good care of them. So if you are a Rolex owner, you can just uh, come to the boutique and I will take care of, uh, of your watch. You know, Roman, you're very kind. <laughs> I do not own a Rolex. I will probably never own a Rolex. Yeah, not yet. Oh, look not, at you. Not yet. Wait a second. I thought you were a repairman, not a salesman. Easy, buddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, because, you know, I'm a former banker. So uh, being a salesman is part of, uh, yeah, maybe in it's in my uh, dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your blood. It's in my blood. <laughs> no, but, but um, you know, uh, my position is... Uh, I'm in charge of the, the watchmaking, um, workshop. So I'm do the repairs, but I'm also, um, dealing with, uh, customers. So, uh, as a watchmaker, but also as a salesman, uh, in that way, when my colleagues need like some technical support, I can assist them in a, uh, during, um, you know, an appointment with a customer. And sometimes I, yeah, I just, uh, I just, uh, take care of, uh, of customers, uh, entirely by myself. And, uh, yeah, I used to, yeah, I, I like this because, uh, uh, my, uh, my daily basi- basis is, uh, is different, not only repairing watches, but also uh, talking with uh, human beings. It's nice too. <laughs> <laughs> so I am not going to let you breeze your biography by to okay. listeners, much less to myself. It just wouldn't <laughs> be fair because Good. I've never had someone like you on the pod. So this <laughs> is a very unique experience for me outside of you just being in Switzerland and you saying to me, hey, when you get a Rolex, just get on a plane and come see me. I'm like, hey, yeah. but Romain, we have a Rolex place on Fifth Avenue. No, 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 no. Come to Switzerland. So, but my point is, you were in banking. Were you an investment banker? Yeah, it was a quite specific position because I was um, uh, developing um, uh, the relationship uh, between our bank and, uh, foreign countries, uh, 
embassies. Oh. Because yes, um, it's quite specific. So first I was, yeah, you know, uh, just developing uh, the, the relationship, the relation. And after this, we were building together uh, uh, a classic commercial uh, relationship. So what was that like working with different embassies? For example, were they all European embassies? Uh, uh, give us more, some more detail there. Um, well, um, I used to work uh, in Laos for a, a French bank. And when I was back to Paris, uh, I was in charge mainly to to uh, to develop the relation with the the embassy of Laos of oh. uh, the the uh, how to say in English the yeah Laos yeah, the, yeah. and um, and because I was in charge of this. Uh, I worked with a colleague who was uh, who was in charge of other embassies, uh, and after that, I just worked with uh, with him, and that was a part of uh, of my position. So, yes, we had uh, European embassies, but also uh, African uh, countries' uh, embassies, stuff like that. Yeah. I will not tell you uh, which uh, countries or anything because uh, it's a uh, part of, even if I'm not working for the bank anymore, uh, I think it's part of the, you know, the confidential aspect of the, of the job. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, quite, uh, 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 diverse. Is it good? Good yes. word. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. was just fine, man. <laughs> So, so yes. Oh, okay. No, I'm not trying to pry about your former diplomatic relationships. I know you signed an agreement, and and the world has ears. So mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not going to pry. But I am going to inquire. This sounds like a fascinating job from the outside looking in. What led you to one day go? I don't want to do this anymore. I love watches. How did that happen? Well, I, I think there is two. Um, there was two um, two aspects. Uh, first one was, yeah, I love watches, and I was really fond of uh, watches. And I think I'm a very curious guy. So when I'm discovering something, and I I'm going, uh, uh, I, I want to go very deep. Uh, into the the understanding of the the topic so for watches i really wanted to understand how the watch uh, was working but not only by understanding the mechanical uh, uh, theory and uh, all that stuff i wanted really to to understand the difference between one watch to another understanding the value, the difference of the value of the prices, uh, of the materials also, uh, because, uh, sometimes you have two watches very similar working with the same movement, but at the end, it's not the same movement and the price is totally different. So, uh, all that tiny, uh, details, I, I wanted to understand it. And I found that the only way to know it was to become a watchmaker. Even if I was into journalism, uh, discussing with passionate people, collectors, okay, every of that uh, persons were very, uh, had, had a huge knowledge, but only watchmaker, only watchmakers can uh, have access to the information I wanted. So that was the first aspect. Uh, and you will tell me, okay, it's not a reason to leave your job if you have a, a good position. So the second aspect was I was uh, back from Laos to, to Paris. And, you know, the uh, I think the, the life in Paris is um, is very different when you come from uh, the countryside and my wife and I, uh, 
grew up in a, in the countryside in France. Mm. And uh, I think that the life in Paris was not really matching our uh, lifestyle. And, you know, the, the, the stress, it was very stressful. I spent like two hour and a half in, uh, in the, in the tra transports. Uh, so yeah, we did it because it was a good opportunity. We, we earned some good money too. So when you're young, it's, it's good. It was a nice experience, but you know, when you forecast to build a family, uh, and you think of, yeah, the future, uh, yeah, we, we just, uh, we just, uh, were, uh, okay on, on the fact that we would be, uh, ready to change our life. So, uh, that's why I changed from banker to watchmaker. <laughs> so you hit on something. You are married, so so you know you were, and to me, still are a young family. So, what was your wife's reaction when you came in the house one day and said, "Babe, you know this banking thing? I don't want to do it anymore. I want to learn how to repair watches." Exactly. Yes, yeah. Please chuckle, because <laughs> and pass the pass the baguette. So what? Yeah. How, how did she How did she respond to this, Romaine? It's a good question. You know, I, I think it's more her who encouraged me to change the life. This this uh, life. Really? Yes, because nice. when um, you know, I, I was. Yeah, I was hired um, by the bank for a specific uh, project, and I knew that that project was ending uh, not soon, but in the in the next year. So I was thinking of what would happen after this project and what would be my opportunities. And, uh, the opportunities, uh, you know, in life, I think it's, you can apply it in any, uh, industry or any situation when you have to face, uh, several opportunities, you can see opportunity in the same uh, company, or if you widen your site, uh, then you can see any option as an opportunity. So it was not, uh, more difficult to say, okay, I will change the, the company and I will go to something very different. Also, I passed some tests and I was accepted in, uh, autology school, uh, which uh, was very famous. So, you know, the risk was measured also mm. because, uh, when you, when you, you do this school, uh, you have really, uh, the, the, the skills you, you really, uh, the, the teachers and uh, every means are given to you to, to reach uh, the, the success in your, in your, um, uh, you know, in your, uh, school, um, education. Uh, and, um, yeah. And when I told her that I wanted to, uh, uh, maybe to see something, something else, she was the first to say, okay, let's leave this, uh, this area. Uh, Paris is not for me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, watchmaking, you know, you're very passionate. Uh, you like, uh, being, uh, very precise, accurate. I think it's good for you. Uh, let's, let's go to, uh, the, that school and get some information. Uh, you know, uh, uh, next week I will uh, take a day off and, uh, we go. So we took the, we took the car. I drove for three hours <laughs> and we went to that school. And, uh, we discovered every student, and that school was, uh, uh, dedicated to person who reorientate themselves. Uh, so it's not, 
you are not with only very young people, uh, 16, 18, you know, uh, you were with uh, people, the, the average age was around uh, 25 to 30 years old. Mm. And the majority of that persons are passionate and very motivated because they are reoriented. So when you, you arrive at the bench on the morning, you know why you are here and you are not complaining because of tiny stuff. You know, you're here to learn something, you, you're here to learn a new, a new job. So yeah, it's a nice dynamic. So yeah, that was not so hard for me <laughs> to make that change. Well, it's funny, Romain. You said tiny stuff. Mm -hmm. It was all tiny stuff, Romain. You're <laughs> fixing watches. <laughs> yes, and and as I used to say, uh, for watches, but also for you know for the outfits and for anything, it's all about the details and tiny stuff. Right. If, mm. How long was this program? It was uh, two years two years, uh, educational program. And it was very intense because from eight on the morning to five on the afternoon, you were on uh, at the bench. Mm. So, uh, yeah, very intense. Um, but, uh, the, the program is very well built. You, when you begin, you, you, you are asking yourself, wow, but how will I do this? And, uh, you know, when you have to craft by yourself without any electric electronic stuff or anything, only by hands, you know, some balance shaft, the balance shaft is the, the, the main element of the regulating system of a mechanical watch. And this has pivots uh, which have, uh, a diameter of, uh, like a tenth of a millimeter. Oh my God. So, so you know, it, some pivots can be, uh, thinner than, uh, a, a hair, a human hair. So when you begin and you see you, you will have to do this by hand, you see, it's impossible. How will I do that? Right. And That's yeah. what I'm feeling already. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know, uh, six months later, it's your exam and you have to do this and you have eight hours to do this. Eight hours to fix yes. something. Yeah. And you do it and you do it because, uh, the program is very well done. So you begin to do big, big parts and then slowly without without, uh, having, uh, the, the impression of, of doing it, you are decreasing the size of every part you are crafting. This is the, the main objective of the first year is, uh, you know, micro mechanics. So you, you are crafting watch, uh, watch, uh, pieces by, uh, yes, by, by hand, by yourself. And this is very nice. Uh, yeah, to me, this is an acquired skill. And <laughs> that's why we're talking. Why don't you go back in time and share with us what was a typical day like at the school? Um, so the program in the first and the second year was very different. So the, the first year... Uh, when, when I was, uh, yeah, arrived, you know, I, w I went to the, uh, the locker room. So I changed my shoes. I put my blues on. I went to my bench. I found all of my friends. Uh, and then we had an objective of the day. So for instance, we had to, uh, to craft, uh, at the beginning, we had to craft, um, uh, a winding stem. So the winding stem is that, that stem you are turning when you are uh, winding your watch with the crown. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, so this is a very uh, technical uh, part because the, the that stem has different uh, shapes on it. You have a thread, you have a square, you have some uh, different diameters, and you have a pivot at the end. So for this, for instance, if if I had to do it on that day, I took. Uh, a bar of of steel uh, I had to cut it then I had to do the you know the um, thermical treatment so I have to warm it very very high and then I plunge it in the uh, yeah I, um, I put it in water so you have that uh, uh, chemical treatment, the, the material which change its uh, structure. So this is beginning to be maybe too much technical, but no, 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 no. we, we well, were, better, we don't, and I definitely don't know anything about this. I'm fascinated. Keep it going. Uh -huh. Okay. So, uh, this is what we call, um, uh, in French, we say acier trempé. So it's, uh, uh, tramped steel maybe you know when you warm up very strongly uh, steel and then you you slow instantly uh, and you stop instantly the the, the the warmth and then the the structure of the material is like uh, is like glass you know it's very hard and very strong uh, so after this, we have to change the structure of the material. So we will put the piece in um, in a little, uh, I don't know the word in, in English, uh, but we will uh, make the that uh, steel piece, um, well, we will warm up the piece and uh, we will warm up it slowly. And by warming up uh, slowly, the material will uh, change its structure slowly. And in watchmaking, when when we reach the good structure, the steel will change its its color, and it will begin. It will um, become uh, blue. And that's one reason why in, uh, in watches, you often have like blue hands or blue screws or oh, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Because I have, a, I have a, I have a antique boulevard and the hands are blue or bluish. Yes. For instance, exactly. For instance, because, uh, the blue in watchmaking is the color of the right structure of the the steel huh? the, the the good uh, the good um, structure the good strength of the steel um, and then you know when you have your bar your your stem no it's more a, a steel bar which is blue you know that you warm up you warm it up at the good temperature and the structure is now good to be crafted and after this, you have all the different, um, you know, uh, steps to, to craft it. You lower the diameters, you do the, the threads, you, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So, uh, a day at this, this school, for instance, the first day, the first year, it was every day we were doing one major piece like this one like a winding stem. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, at the end of the day, we were just putting everything, uh, in, uh, our layers and, uh, and no, not layers, drawers. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, we were just, uh, not getting, we, we, we did not uh, get back home. We used to go to the bar drinking some beers <laughs> and after this, yeah, we, we went back home. <laughs> <laughs>
I can't imagine the stress, the pressure, because of the minuteness of all this detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't. I mean, you know, a standard mechanical watch, and please correct me, I mean, has hundreds of pieces. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about something that goes back, you know, really centuries. And obviously there's a crew of us that still love to wear them. Right. So, mm-hmm. so obviously we could continue talking in that type of detail about the school, but we won't because, mm-hmm. because what I want to ask now is after you finish your two year program, how do you then end up at this world-renowned watch and jewelry store, which has been around for four generations, a.k.a. the House of Michaud? Every month when something important is going on, I send out my New York Fashion Geek newsletter to my fellow geeks. It drops on Fridays, and it offers a quick glimpse into the world of the fashion geek. I offer some tips and it's a nice, breezy read. To sign up, just head over to nyfashiongeek.com and fill out the welcome sheet. Well, it's it's a good question because um, back to that time, we were like facing uh, one of the major uh, watchmaking crises. Um and what crisis was that? Because I'm unaware. It, yes, it's, it was back uh, to 2016, 17. Um, you know, the exportations of the watches were decreasing from Switzerland, mm. mainly to China, Hong Kong, and from the student point of view. We were every day uh, reading the the news or the actuality about the watchmaking industry, and almost every week we we had very bad news, like this brand uh, firing uh, uh, hundreds of employees, mm. and every week it was it was. Um, that kind of very bad news. So, uh, in, in that school, uh, students used to be hired before they finished the school. And yes, yes. And, uh, because of that very specific, uh, context, like two years before mine, it was no more the case. And we had to, search for uh, a job to apply for a job. So it was quite stressful. Uh, and, uh, well, I, I tried, I, uh, I, um, uh, I applied in yeah many, many, uh, boutiques and official retailers in France because I, yeah, I'm, I'm French. So I wanted right. to, 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 yes, I wanted to country. exactly. And I, I tried to, um, to, to be close to my family and my friends, but you know, there was no job. So, uh, I, I said, okay, so I have to, to try, uh, uh further. So I tried in Luxembourg and also I applied in Switzerland and it was very, yeah, it's, I think it was the, the right moment, the right place. And, uh, it was, um, uh, Mrs. Michaud who called me after receiving my, uh, my application, uh, offering me to, to do, uh, you know, but yeah, a job appointment. And, uh, I crossed two countries because my school was in Britannia. So it's the opposite part of the France on the West side. <laughs> so I crossed the whole country. Then I arrived in Switzerland and I moved to uh, Neuchâtel. And then I did my, uh, my uh, uh, job appointment. And uh, yeah, I think the, the feeling was nice. Also, uh, 
I was um, well when I applied. I applied as as a, a watchmaker, but also I uh, I wanted also to highlight the fact that I was a former banker, so um, I was quite confident in uh, dealing with uh, with uh, yeah with customers and uh, maybe uh, uh, fortunate people. So uh, there were, it was not a problem for me. And, you know, uh, there is a lot of watchmakers who are uh, maybe a little bit shy or not so confident uh, just by talking with people. Uh, it's a kind of stereotype, but... It's not totally false. <laughs> right. There's always a stereotype. Yes. There's a reason that it, there's a group of people who are, you know, behind yes. the walls at a bench mm -hmm. and, not, and not at the front of the store. I mean, exactly. And, and display case. Exactly. And I think it's uh, a reason why people want also to be a watchmaker. And that was also uh, uh, a reason for myself. So sometimes you, you want to be alone in your workshop behind your bench and you want to be just quiet. Nobody talking with you. You are just you and your watch. And many uh, watchmakers are looking for this and only this. Uh, so maybe the fact that I wanted also to, to be at the boutique with you summers was, uh, yeah, was, uh, interesting for my uh, future uh, employers. Sure. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're like a hybrid the guy <laughs> behind the bench wants to be at the display case and talk to customers. Like, who are you? You're a freak. So, but you must really be significant because you, my friend, cause I did a lot of research, you are highlighted on the Michelle website with your takes and picks for, uh, for your watches that you, uh, you know, referred to from the watches and wonders show. So the point is how many people are on the watchmaking team? On the watchmaking team, I'm yeah, a watchmaking watch repair. It's yeah. you and how many other people on the watchmaking side? I'm all alone. Oh, so, you're all alone. Yes. Whoa. So, uh, so okay. I deal with. You're still special, though. <laughs> it's just you. But the point is, they put you on the website, bro. And we're going to talk about it a little bit. But clearly, as you can tell, I really am interested in everything, as you say, behind the bench. But <laughs> they, uh, they showed you love, man. They're like, our. Our watchmaker Romaine has his picks from the Watch and Wonder show. Here they are. So essentially, as we would say here in America, and I know you know this phrase, you gave your hot take, man. <laughs> so I mean, kudos to you. That's really that's really significant. Yes, yes. Um, they love you. It's, it, it's a it's a, a pride for for me to uh, to have their such confidence from my. Uh, from my boss, from my bosses. And, um, yeah, it's, it's also something, um, I suggested to them and, uh, because we, we used to, uh, to discuss every day of watches and they know I'm very passionate by watches, even if, you know, now I'm behind the bench. So I saw different things, but I still have the, you know, the, the, Sparkle in the eye when I ride. When, I was gonna say, you still when, have the eye. You have the you have <laughs> the eye for you know being a fan. Like hey, man, I like that watch. I like that. Watch. Yes, exactly. I'm still a, I'm still a fan. So uh, this they they like they they like to discuss with me of this topic or this other topic because I will not be just oh yeah mm, this the the new watch mm, cool mm, they put titanium nice no it's 
wow, why they put titanium? Why, why they decided to do this? Oh, did you see that shape? And I, I still every day to, uh, to learn things from, uh, the actuality reading, um, uh, reading, uh, yeah, some blogs, some, some, um, other fans of, uh, watchmaking, you know, sometimes you have, you can learn a lot also from non-professional persons, because when you are, when you have only your passion as uh, a main, uh, resource, you will spend twice the energy to get the information. And in the majority of time, you will have a lot of other information, a different point of view. So this is very interesting. And it's not because now I'm a watchmaker that I will pretend to know everything of uh, about a watch. I'm going to ask you some other questions, but before <laughs> I do, I want to get back a little bit in terms of your training versus you being in the store. I actually <laughs> called you the Rolex repairman, and I probably will <laughs> always call you that now because I just love it. <laughs> you learned how to work on any watch, let's say, you know, within reason at the school. The point <laughs> is, specifically with Rolex, and obviously it could carry over for other brands too. Do you ever have to go to the Rolex, you know, center, the training center, so to speak, or does a Rolex <laughs> rep come to you? Like, you know, for some of these brands that Michaud retails, is there just any, you know, type of interaction, you know, with the corporate side of the brands from a technical aspect? Mm -hmm. Well, um, of course, I went to, to Rolex because uh, when you are an uh, official dealer, uh, like the, the, the boutique Michaud, um, you have to, uh, to get the certification and to, to, to be able to service the watches. So, uh, of course, Rolex takes in charge everything about the, um, the watchmakers training because they have their own way to work, but it's very interesting. I, I, so today I have, um, the level to repair watches until the last, uh, chronograph, the Daytona. Mm -hmm. So I can repair any, uh, freehands watches like Oyster Perpetual, uh, they just with the, the date, the professional watches like the GMT master two, uh, for instance, Explorer two, uh, and also the Cosmograph Daytonas, uh, which are a specific, uh, training. But when I went to Rolex for the first time, it was for three weeks. And during that three weeks, the training was focusing on getting the, their philosophy of working. Mm. It's very what interesting. Their philosophy? their philosophy is, uh, there is no place for, uh, uh, doing stuff, uh, not perfect stuff. <laughs> mm. If I can, uh, yeah, yeah, express yeah, like that, true. you know, um, but if there is a mistake, they will never say you did the mistake. They will always say, we probably did not uh, teach you correctly. This is very impressive because, you know, I think Rolex is, well, uh, it's not, I think it's, uh, Rolex is the, the leader in, uh, in the watchmaking market today. And they are not using that title to say we are right. And if there is something wrong, you are wrong. It's not their philosophy. Their philosophy is we are partners. So we are doing things together. And this is very interesting. Uh, from a watchmaker point of view, you know, you are never alone. 
and sometimes you know you you are dealing with uh issues on on a, on a watch on a movement or any situation sometimes with customers or sometimes nothing related to watchmaking and there is always somebody uh there to support you this is very interesting so during the, the my training my first training at, at rolex it was fo it was focusing on using their own tools uh discovering their procedures their all their tools and also to to get you know impregnate of their yeah their, their philosophy their spirit um and of course they control the the quality of your work and if some things are not uh as they would like they will teach you how to do they will accompany you to reach the right level of quality and uh and you do this on the movement part so on the mechanical aspects but also on the polishing part because they developed specific tools uh and specific training sessions to be able to yeah to maintain the the watch in all of its aspects so this is very interesting so of course because I, like you said i'm the rolex repairing guy <laughs> um i followed some some training sessions at rolex to to learn how their product work also what are their techniques what are their philosophy their procedures etc and i did it also for uh, some other brands which have their uh, their own procedures their own way to work but you know when you're watchmaker at the bench at the end if you work uh, cleanly with uh, with uh, precision and being uh, professional and uh, you know uh, very careful of the details and the cleanliness of the the movements you are working on well it's it's good whatever the brand it's good so that's a wonderful segue what is the hardest watch you've worked on what's the easiest watch you've worked on even if it doesn't include rolex haha <laughs> Uh, you know, I will begin with maybe with the easiest one sure. <laughs> because I think it's probably it's, the sneaker yeah. time on my right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I think the easiest watch I had to repair was probably a Rolex. You know, when when you have it for a service and the customer was very careful of his watch and the, the polishing is very easy to do because the watch is not very damaged and because the watch on the external is not very damaged you can imagine that the inside will be the same so generally it is and you just uh dismantle the watch you check every parts everything is uh just neat you clean it you reassemble you put it on the chronoscope uh on the yeah the the the, the device to 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 adjust the time and you see everything is perfect this is the easiest watch you you can you can service and uh what is very nice is with Rolex I think the majority of the watches are in that case in that uh, in that uh, situation so sometimes yeah the it's more on the the external parts you know the, the case uh, the bracelets which can be very damaged or used okay but the on the movement side you know Rolex uh, invested so so much energy and i guess a lot of money also in research and development that's the when the when a product is uh, released it 
it's working and uh the yeah every, every yeah they are very careful of every details on the the production part on the concepting part and production part so uh, for for us as watchmaker it's a pleasure to work on uh, on that kind of uh, of products right. well the hardest? the hardest ah the hardest uh your Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I think um, I would separate this one because on the movement, the, I have I have to face. I think like a lot of watchmakers, uh, very tricky situations of movements. But yeah, I have one in my mind uh i had uh, a movement but well it, it was a rolex but i spent a lot of time to find what was the problem uh, i think that watch had a very strong shock and you know the the pivots are rotating inside some jewels it's that red stones mm-hmm. and one of that stones and it was the the smallest uh, stone had a little uh, a bridge is it the right word yeah, you know okay. yeah uh, on the on the on the hole but when you dismantle the watch you look every pivots with a magnifying glass and you you control everything the stones everything in order that if there is any uh, tiny problem you see it and you change you replace the 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 used or the, the the broken parts but on this one it was so tiny and the angle to see it was so difficult i didn't see it and I spent like maybe two days on this watch because I checked every aspect. I was also, uh, I put also the movement under the microscope. So I went very deep. And even on that part, which was uh, broken on the, under the microscope, I didn't see it because it was so tiny. And when I moved the movement, I saw a little shine, you know, a reflect mm. and say, Oh, is it just a reflect or is it something? And by double checking and focusing on this, I found the problem. And you know, the customer will not pay twice. I just spent twice time, but it's not his problem, but that was so tiny. And also because you know, when you have the, the results, uh, when you have to adjust the time, uh, according to the results you have, the amplitude, uh, also the, the positions, you can interpret where uh, the issue or where the, the problem can come. And all my results were uh, making uh, me think that the problem had to be uh, in that precise area, but I was not able to find it and it was very difficult for me. So that was maybe the, the hardest one. But when I changed the stone, I put it and then the watch was like, yeah, I'm yeah, just perfect watch. The, the, the time adjustment was just perfect and everything was going nicely. So, yeah, when this happened, you are so happy. <laughs> That's cool. What is a watch maintenance tip you can give our listeners? So what should the everyday man do in terms of the upkeep of his watch? So my first tip would be just to to know, to understand the value of of their watch and to respect it when you respect it you you know that you have something at your wrist and you will maybe be a little more careful not to knocking it 
uh, all day long because sometimes I, I received, I receive uh, watches which are like hammered, but so strongly. And I say, but what did, uh, his owner did with this watch? It's impossible to, to, to do it. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's my first tip. If you respect your watch and you just take good care, uh, you know, the pieces inside are very tiny, so it's still, uh, fragile. So the more you, you're taking care of it, the, 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 the longer it will last. So I always like to ask this of my guest. What does the term always be fly mean to you? Sorry? The, There's an expression that I like to use, and the expression okay. is always be fly. <laughs> and okay. I want to know what does that expression mean to you? The expression always be fly. What does that mean to you, Romain? Always be fly. Well, because I'm not a native English speaker, I have to apologize, but I do not know this expression. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. So I assume too much. So to be fly means to dress well. So a term I like to use on the podcast and on Instagram okay. is always be fly. Okay. So I always like to know of my guests, what does it mean to them? What is their definition of that? So for me, uh, you tell me if I'm wrong, but for me, no it would be, it. yeah. So for me, it's always being elegant, being elegant because being elegant, it's, uh, on both the external aspects on the outfit, you know, you dress well, you put uh, a lot of care of, uh, your outfit, the garments, the accessories you will you will decide to wear, but being elegant is also on the very personal part. It's like the value of your soul. Uh, I'm quite, I, I think I'm a bit old school guy, but I like, uh, I like the, uh, all, all that aura that emanates from the, the old gentleman, you know, the, the gentleman from the former century. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and that guys were always dressed perfectly. And I think they were maybe all almost the same because they were educated to, to this, but it was a lot about the manners, you know? Uh, so, if I can say always be fly, is that correct? Uh, it would be, be always, being always elegant in both your manners, your way of thinking and the way you dress. I like it. I think you did really well. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm happy. It really is incredible craft a watch repair, the ability to have the patience and skill to work on one element that is less than a millimeter for a whole day is awe-inspiring to me. I'm glad that I have enough watches to keep my watch guy in the loop. <laughs> I hope you have a guy too. In the meanwhile, make sure your movement is checked on every five years. Get it serviced, inspected, and lubricated. Let's keep our watches going into the 2000s. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun and are down for another one. Please tell a friend who could use some fashion help about the podcast or share an episode with them directly. If you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, if you constantly struggle putting an outfit together and are looking to turn that confusion into confidence, 
I'd love to talk about how we can improve your work. Check me out at nyfashiongeek.com and email me at reg at nyfashiongeek.com for a consultation. A special shout goes for our producer search and everyone down with the Fashion Geek podcast. If you have a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com or hit me up on the Insta at New York Fashion Geek. And remember, always be fly.